Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He's been here. been there. Magic down the middle, just what I thought. A hook shot at 12. Good! He's been everywhere. Shot from there and a save and a rebound. Score! Yes! Kings win the cup! Sobel. That's one small step for man. Ted Sobel. One giant leap for man. The man, the myth, the legend. What the hell's going on out here? Now, one-on-one with Ted Sobel. And thanks for joining us for another Touching Greatness podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. We're looking forward to the Breeders' Cup this weekend, the 36th annual. It's been an unbelievable run for the greatest racehorses on the planet. Also the 10th anniversary of maybe the best classic ever in the Breeders' Cup when Zenyatta came from dead last to win it out at Santa Anita and they're back at the great race place again over the weekend for Friday and Saturday races. And of course the Breeders' Cup is 14 races with purses of at least a million dollars per culminating with the six million dollar Breeders' Cup Classic. But there's also a lot of controversy about the game of horse racing right now, specifically out at Santa Anita in Arcadia, California. And I went right to the source. The president and CEO of the Breeders' Cup, Craig Fravel, who is a former president of Del Mar Racetrack and soon-to-be CEO of racing operations for the Stronic Group that owns Santa Anita. So Craig's been around the game for many, many years, has a chance to come back to Southern California and had a chance to meet him on Wednesday afternoon before they had a big news conference talking about many of the veterinarians and people taking care of the racetrack and try to make it as safe as possible for the horses, for the jockeys, and for everyone concerned. After 36 more horses have perished out at Santa Anita since the start of the December meeting. Following Craig, I'll be talking to longtime thoroughbred trainer Doug O'Neill, who's won over 2,000 career races including five in the Breeders' Cup. And, of course, he took the 2012 Kentucky Derby in Preakness with I'll Have Another and the 2016 Derby with his champion, Nyquist. So let's get right to the Breeders' Cup president and CEO, Craig Fravel, get to know a little bit about him and what his expectations are for the future of the Breeders' Cup and racing in general. Congratulations on your new job. Oh, thank you. Thank yes. you. So you've been based out here in the past a lot? No, it's very good... complicated. All I right. was at Del Mar for... Um, 21 years. When I was offered the Breeders' Cup job in 2011, my family and I moved back to Lexington, where we're headquartered. Okay. And um, I think the following two winters, they had something called a polar vortex in the Midwest. And my (laughs) wife said, if you think I'm sitting here in Lexington while you travel around the world going to horse races, (laughs) suffering through polar vortexes... (laughs) You can forget it. I'm heading back to California, I got and you. you can commute back and forth. So I've been it's up to you if you want last, to join her. <laughs> last three years, I've been commuting back and forth between Lexington and uh, Del Mar. Okay, I've had a couple of very long discussions about all of this that went on today, and for the last several months out here. Okay, mm-hmm. it is totally about the word perception. You mm-hmm. just used it. I've been following horse racing and covering it for 40 years. The perception is never like this. A lot of it is politics. How does the game get over the perception part from a marketing standpoint, from a transparency standpoint? What is your strong feeling? Well, well, first of all, 
I think we're incredibly transparent. I mean, these things happen in the bright light of day. Uh, in California in particular, um, which, which has, you know, suffered the glare of publicity, um, it's been the most transparent jurisdiction in terms of injury management uh, and injury disclosure of any state in the country and, and in terms of adopting progressive uh, safety measures over the years. I've been part of many of them. So I don't think we have anything to apologize for in the transparency world. Um, what, we, what we do need to do is be open-minded to change and look for ways that we can actively uh, put horses at less risk. And I think I really I firmly believe that the industry is committed to that. Um, we're going to have to convince I think uh, the political world that we're committed to that, um, and I think the media world will um, begin to understand that argument as we make it more clear, uh, more pervasive, and more articulate. Okay, the key thing is, what are the examples, a couple, of less risk? What does that mean? Because they got to go out and run, they got to go out and train, they got to do whatever they do. Well, I think, I think first of all, there, there's a, a tremendous amount of work underway to... Um, analyze databases that we have on injury as well as, you know, not just catastrophic injury, but any forms of injury. Correlate those with uh, track conditions, weather conditions, um, and, uh, you know, although it's much more detail than sort of epidemiology of injury management, uh, you know, we have epidemiologists working for the industry to help identify at-risk courses subject them then to hands-on examination and some of this diagnostic work that was discussed in terms of imaging. Um, so we've made progress, but and, and I think over the next five years we'll continue to make much more progress. Uh, so, some of these modalities that will be here at Santa Anita within the next year will be a giant step forward in uh, equine health care and management. So what would you say to the average person out there, not the strong racing fan, but thinking, well, you know, I don't know if I want to go out there. I'm hearing all this negative news. What has the industry learned in the last year from what's happened out Well, I think the the industry as a whole, I mean, there have been many of us who, I've been working on safety related um, things within the broader industry for the entirety of my career. It's just something I care about um, and, and have an intellectual interest in it. But again, I think we need to take remedial action and, and make sure that that's uh, widespread, not just limited to Santa Anita or Del Mar, but also tracks around the country. Um, and uh, we, we need to, you know, make sure that the public understands how much we really do care. And, and when we have bad actors, we need to get rid of them. Yeah, but the problem is the politics, again, like the PETAs of the world, right? They're out there saying, every time this happens, there you go, is another example. So what do you say to the average person saying, we're doing the best we can, and that's part of the game. We don't want to hurt a jockey either. We don't want to hurt anyone. Exactly. So I think people need to understand, first of all, um, you know, and it's trite to say that people love these animals, but that is, you know, the, the care and attention that goes into putting this product on is extraordinary. The, the other thing is, in terms of activists, um, I'm sure they're well-meaning, and, 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 and we've given them opportunities to be critical um, because, you know, sometimes we haven't lived up to our own expectations. But the fact of the matter is that there, with many of those folks, there's nothing we could do to satisfy them. They, uh, some of them have said our goal is to extinguish, you know, horses as companion animals. 
Uh, and I don't know about you, but I, you know, I have a Labrador Retriever who I um, would never want to relinquish. And sure. I think, you know, once you start taking away uh, horses from people, the next thing is their cats and their dogs. Yep. And, you know, I, I don't think that society wants to really go down that slippery slope. They want us to be responsible. They want us to be accountable. Um, uh, and they want to know that we care. And I think we're doing that. Last thing, amongst almost everybody I talk to, jockeys, trainers, media too, they almost all said, why don't we just move this this year to Del Mar? And just from a perception standpoint, if anything happens, it's going to look twice as bad if it happens here than if it does at another track. I'm sure you guys talked about this, right? Oh, we, you know, we talked about alternatives, but like I said, you know, they did all the right things in okay. our view. And, um, you know, we just didn't think it was the right thing to do to turn our backs. I think the best argument we can make for for this industry is to put on a great championship and, and do it well. So we're going to do everything we can to do that. Can't wait for it. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again to Breeders' Cup President and CEO Craig Fravel. And now it's time to talk to Doug O'Neill, the longtime trainer here in Southern California. Over 2,000 wins, and this is a huge weekend for all of us, Doug. Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. How you doing, bud? Great. I appreciate you taking some time. Oh, thanks for having me. No worries. Especially the night before. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have some fun tomorrow, huh? <laughs> I agree. The next couple of days are going to be a ride. It's going to be great racing and great results and good, good times had by all. Okay. Well, let's get right into this, Doug. Uh, we've got counter protests going on or should we just call them rallies on the part of the racing game? And Doug O'Neill, I'm telling you, I was at the track yesterday. Some guys are telling me you should get an Eclipse Award just for how you're trying to help out your game. Uh, it's really impressive. Talk about what you're trying to do to be active. Well, thank you, Ted. And I'm a real small part of uh, a group uh, of us that have just you know, kind of got tired of um, you know, just feeling – a little de- depressed about our sport that we love, that we chose to uh, to work alongside horses for a living, and um, so just after kind of taking some beatings in the media that didn't make any sense, and, and uh, uh, we started these Saturday, uh, you know, celebrations, if you will, um, down at Belmar, and they've just been kind of growing, and it's just. To me, you can just see the pride and, and the people being proud again of, of what we do. And, and uh, you know, a lot of the hardworking people, the hot walkers, the grooms, the exercise riders, the trainers, the owners that are there, you know, um, really uh, finally kind of have a voice. So uh, it's been a real blast to be part of it and hopefully it continues. I'm wondering if the jockeys themselves are getting involved in this. They're, they are, yeah. We've had a lot of jockeys come out and... Um, you know, it, it really, I think it was months of a lot of us, uh, you know, whether it be jockeys, trainers, whoever, that um, didn't know really where to vent our frustration. And, um, you know, it just, you kept hearing about these executive meetings going on here and this and that, like, what is going on? So, uh, yeah, I'd be remiss too if I didn't mention a gentleman named Oxford Dalitor that, um, I'd befriended early in the year, and Oscar's been a huge help at uh, leading a lot of these celebrations and just trying to get a lot of the uh, hardworking, silent people their voice out front. So Oscar's been great, and um, 
yeah, the, the jockeys have been involved, and uh, and that's been great because a lot of people know their faces and they're getting to know them. They're getting to know their personalities more, and they're getting to realize that this amazing sport involves a, an amazing equine athlete, but also a human athlete that uh, you know work alongside and they exercise together with the the end goal of competing and trying to be best in whatever category they're they're competing in. So. Yeah, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, I'm proud of being a small part of, of getting the word out. This weekend is obviously very, very important. And I'm looking at just the Breeders' Cup themselves. I talked to the president and CEO, uh, Craig Fravel, yesterday. I'm wondering from a trainer standpoint, are you surprised that they kept it at Santa Anita and didn't move it just from a public perception standpoint? Uh, you know, yes, I, I am, and I'm so grateful that they chose to keep it here. I think it would have a huge uh, touch shot to, to California racing if they would have done that. So, um, you know, I, I think the Mother Nature just really, um, uh, really was tough on on uh, Southern California, um, and racing was no different. I mean, we we definitely took some. Uh, some blows there, and, and uh, there were some accidental fatalities that uh, were, were well well uh, talked about. So, no, I, you know, I really hand it to Craig Slavel and and, uh, and the rest of the Breeders' Cup board for coming out. They did their due diligence. They uh, did a lot of homework and investigative work to realize that, you know, there was no um, uh, intentional amateur stuff going on. It was just, uh, um, again, just a lot of heavy rains, and uh, and maybe a few decisions that uh, led to some some uh, accidental fatalities. But uh, glad they, they stuck with us, and and I think uh, because of that, uh, I think we're all going to be really happy. We're going to have a couple great days of racing here. How content are you with the changes of uh, the safety, whatever they're trying to do around there, from every standpoint? And what else would you like to see happen that hasn't happened yet? You know, I, I we. Well, I'll just speak for myself. I definitely support the, the reforms that have uh, uh, that have taken place uh, since oh, you know, March, April, whenever they kind of yeah. got put into place. Probably stuff that should have been put in place years ago, but that's for another debate. But yeah. um, no, I, I think um, you know, again, uh, um, you don't get into this business and put the amount of time and. Uh, passion that you do unless you love what you do, unless you love your horses and, and, and that's an obvious thing but I, I think having more veterinarians and more eyes and you know, it just gives you more safety nets uh, just in case um, you know, the, the connections of a particular horse um, miss something so I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great thing and um, it, uh, I, you're seeing amazing results of it you know, uh, definitely the accidental fatalities have gone way down. And, um, you know, so I think it's going to start growing and building. And, and uh, you know, we just got to um, continue to market the, the beauty of the sport and, and the human element of the sport uh, yeah. as well. Deaths on the main track, training track. It's hard to put, like, a common thread through all of this, and there probably isn't one. What what would you do if you're the commissioner of racing? And is a synthetic surface the best answer in your mind? Well, what I would love to see if, if I was 
um, the commissioner of San Anita, fan of San Anita, <laughs> and I had real deep pockets. But I'd love to see him because the, the facility is such that you could do this. It's put a synthetic track on the training track, uh, put the current dirt surface where the turf is, and put the turf where the dirt is. So now you have three different surfaces. Um, we don't get a ton of rain, but when we do, yeah, it, as we know, uh, who live out here, it, it can come down in buckets. Yeah. If that were the case, we could move the training and the racing to the synthetic. The, the synthetic thrives in rainy conditions, but you know, 95% of the time here, it's dainty and sunny, right? And that's where the synthetic can be a little bit challenged. So um, in an ideal world, if you had all three surfaces, it would be amazing. And I think that's a possibility out here. But, um, you know, and I think, again, just <clears throat> aside from the surfaces, just talking about the, the human element and the human cost of talking about uh, uh, banning racing. And, and uh, you know, I think there's just needs to be more education of what goes on. At, uh, I would love to see other horsemen from other uh, horse sports uh, come together, you know, and just yeah. in numbers. I think there's so many people that uh, work along that are privileged enough to work alongside horses for a living and all of us to get together and just really from a um, act of love, uh, try to educate the, the human connection uh, that goes on here. That's yeah, really, it's all about education now, but now it's so political with uh, the, the animal rights groups we already know about, and the governor is involved here. He was upset with the justify, uh, the failing of the drug test after the Santa Anita Derby, and how that was hidden, and it doesn't look good, it doesn't look transparent. This is something that the game has to stop, and has to be as open as possible, don't you think? 100%, and I think we've already seen there's been a, a few changes in the, the California Horse Racing Board Committee and probably needs to be a few more. So, yeah, I think um, there was some conflict of interest questions going on there. But um, yeah, I think those types of uh, uh, investigations really can help our sport because the more you, you can, like you say, be transparent, um, yeah. the, the better it is for everybody. So, um, yeah, I think there's a lot of good things ahead of us. I really do. How do you see the culture changing, if at all, on the backside and throughout the entire track? I think the morale has really um, has definitely shifted towards everyone having their chests out and being proud that they're, you know, uh, that they're chose to, to work with horses for a living. So I see a, a, a big shift in my mind, and uh, you know, we've got uh, thanks to the help of a couple. Um, Huge donors and Fanita and the Sonic Group uh, put a lot of money in as well. But we've got a couple of new, just state-of-the-art diagnostic machines coming in, uh, a PET scan and an MRI unit, which are going to be amazing at detecting, um, you know, pre-fractures. So stuff right. you could see an absolute clean X-ray, but if a horse just isn't moving right and they're communicating to you that you're just not right, one of these two machines can pick up stuff that. Uh, and eliminate uh, accidental fatality. So I think that is just super exciting. And um, so I, 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 uh, I really feel like that obviously we need a huge Breeders' Cup, and my, my gut says it's going to be a really great, safe event. Um, we've had vets all over the place just uh, going over every horse, 
multiple times. So it's just, um, I just feel really good about it. And, uh, and I think once the Breeders' Cup comes and goes and everything goes well, I think the, the foundation will be there to just continue to grow on that and, and keep uh, getting better and better. Yeah, the main thing is everything goes well. Uh, how would you rate the anxiety level, though, around there? And uh, I'm hearing over and over the same word, we're holding our breath. I mean, it's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think um, I think the people that are getting their hands dirty and knee-deep in it uh, feel really good about the way things are going. But I could see if you were wearing a suit and tie and, up on the third floor and just, yeah. you know, it's like being on a plane that you have no communication with the cockpit. You're just hoping you land. But uh, I think um, the people in the trenches, you know, we feel really good that, that things are going to go well, just the way things uh, have been monitored and, and um, you know, the knock on with the tracks been in, in great shape. Mother Nature, I, with those winds coming, I was like, oh, no, but uh, knock on wood, it's calmed down and looks like we're, we're in for... Our, our normal, beautiful Southern California weather. So I think from the people in the barn area, the anxiety has gone way down, but I could see where the, the, the maybe the people, the executives are probably, they're going to be high anxiety until uh, Saturday evening. And just the quality of racing, Doug, uh, it's the 36th Breeders' Cup. I was at the first one at Hollywood Park. I can't believe it's the 10th anniversary of Zenyatta's unbelievable run, maybe the greatest ever. Uh, I mean, all of that comes into play here. This is uh, this is our backyard. It's where it should be. It, it really should. Now, it's, it's, I, I tell you, it's such a... God, it's like a boost of caffeine when you, when you <laughs> walk through the barn area and walk through... Uh, the grandstand, and you see men and horsemen and horsewomen from all over the world. It's like, well, it's really that shared experience and a shared love of, of, of horse racing, you know, how it just touches a huge span of people. So, um, and, uh, you know, LA has so much to offer with, uh, you know, I was talking to a few people from England uh, the other day, and they're staying in Pasadena, and they just love that area, and they went to dinner in Hollywood and got to see a lot of the cool history of Hollywood. So, yeah, there's so much to offer here aside from horse racing for a lot of the horsemen that don't maybe get to see all that cool stuff. It's just fun to, to feel like that's part of our gifts that we can share when they come out for the, the Breeders' Cup. Uh, I always like to be a sociable, but uh, we need to tell those people, please don't ever move here. It's crowded enough. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's only good for a couple of days and you got to keep moving. Keep Just moving. enjoy your trip and get the heck out of here, please. <laughs> exactly, exactly. As far as the quality of racing itself this weekend, how do you see this as opposed to other Breeders' Cup? Uh, and, and how many horses do you have going? Well, I, I think it's uh, another amazing year. I mean, you've got uh, all kinds of championships that are at stake. Uh, just about in every category, you know, the winner's going to be one of the finalists for Eclipse Awards. So uh, that being said, I, there's a ton of amazing competitive races at top level. And we've got a total of five that are uh, nice. scheduled to run. Yeah, so we've got a world well represented. And um, again, you, each one of these races, they're so uh, deep with talent that a lot of it is from the jockey races. So, you know, once that gate opens, uh, the jock and horse have so many split-second decisions all throughout the race. So just got to get lucky that, uh, you know, uh, holes open up that need to open up. And 
the pace sets up the way your horse might need the pace to set up. So uh, just amazing to watch uh, these horses and, and jockeys uh, navigate against the, the, the best you know around the world. You have one or two Doug O'Neill tips. I promise not to tell anybody. Uh, well, you know, we've got two fillies in the same race tomorrow in the seventh race, uh, a filly named Lazy Daisy. She's anything but lazy. Uh, <laughs> and a filly named Comical. And uh, um, so I, I think those two fillies, we've got a bunch running tomorrow on the undercard stuff. But I'm so excited to watch Comical and Lazy Daisy tomorrow. It's uh, like a nine-horse field, $2 million first. Uh, going two turns on the main track there at San Anita. Bob Hafford going to have a heavy favorite there that our Philly Comical almost beat last time out, so mm. hoping to turn the tables on her. So I think Comical and Lazy Days are my two uh, liveliest ones uh, tomorrow. And you got one right out the bat there, too, like in the opening race, don't you? Was, is that four left? Well, uh, you know, he's on the also eligible list. So oh, okay. A couple of defections for him and Kim again. But we've got one on the undercard. In race two, uh, a filly named Ann Eddie Surprise. And right. uh, she's taken from the 10 hole. It's a, it's an $80,000 allowance race, undercard race. But the mile on turf, she's breaking from the 10 hole. And um, she is 11 out of 13, one, two, three in turf races. So she's always right there. And, and um, you know, things go her way. She could easily win the second race, uh, Ann Eddie Surprise. You have an overall thought on the classic itself? Whew, you know, uh, I, I don't have a super strong opinion, but uh, I, I think uh, I'm going to pull for the the uh, late the, the the female in there, uh, Bill Moss. Uh, she's okay. just, it, it, it's cool to see you know a Philly mare uh, compete against the the best males, and um, you know I think she's I've seen her on the track. She's a beautiful looking. Uh, there and, and I give her a big chance to to get it done there uh, on Saturday. That's great. Well, on the 10th anniversary of Zenyatta, why not, right? <laughs> there we go. It, it would all make sense. Sounds great. Well, Doug, I really appreciate the time. Uh, I'm going to be holding my breath. I don't know about you. I want it to go so perfect. I really do. I can't wait to. Well, hopefully we'll we'll, uh, we'll toast uh, Saturday evening or Sunday or the next time I see you for that everything went perfect. It sounds great. Again, all the best, man, and uh, good racing luck this weekend. You too. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. That's thoroughbred trainer Doug O'Neill, who's got a lot on the line tomorrow, not just his own horses, but just the Breeders' Cup in general. Everybody crossing their fingers and trying to hope everything goes just the way they want it to be, as safe as possible for the horses, for the jockeys, and just make it a great competition. That's all we ask for at Santa Anita. I also want to thank the president and CEO of the Breeders' Cup, Craig Fravel, for joining us. Until next time, thanks very much for listening to another version of Touching Greatness here on the Believe Podcast Network. And I am still Ted Sobel. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.